Hello and welcome to One Foot in the Podcast. I'm Tom and with me this week is another loyal listener, a big fan of the show. It's Glenn. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you. All the way from Tasmania, which is, uh, I mean, I had Matt from South Africa, but you're even, well, my geography is such, even further away from the UK. And what's the title? It's, it's nearly 11am for me. So another... 10pm. Uh, 10pm for you. So you're 10pm tonight for you. Uh, for me. For you, yeah. And for me, yes. 11 a.m., it's, it's unusual because I would usually record in the evening, but it's my week off. And um, thank that you've given up your time. Might be a bit of a late one for you. No, Welcome. You've been waiting. Been waiting. Often keep in touch on Twitter and you're very kind with your feedback comments. So I'm glad to have you on to help me through the episode we're dis- discussing today, Series 5, Episode 2, uh, Only a Story. And this one aired New Year's Day 1995. I didn't realize it was, I knew it was a 1995 series, but of course, I recorded The, uh, the Man Who Blew Away recently, which by the time this episode goes out, you'd have heard it, everyone. But that was a Christmas Day episode, 94. So I didn't, for some reason, the way I've been recording series five, I've not done things in order. I didn't realize this one was New Year's Day. There you go. Okay, so Glenn, first of all, I'm quite curious. I, I, I don't, I haven't asked you this before, but Given you live in Tasmania, have you always lived that side of the world? Or Yes, yes, no. I've been on this little island a little bit, a little island under the mainland of Australia all my life. Awesome. So you, you've lived there all your life, did you say? Yes. Okay. And how did you get into One Foot in the Grave? I'm, I'm very um, yeah, curious about that one. It's hard to remember. I don't, actually, I don't actually know. I remember it being in the program guide mm-hmm. and thinking uh, it must be a show, a show for old people. <laughs> or about, that's the misconception about, isn't it <laughs> about grave diggers or something um and it was there and i don't think i actually started watching till very late because maybe season six mm-hmm. because he 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 then died spoiler for everyone yeah. he then died and, and and that was it and i'm like oh i've only just started getting into this but i think it was an article in my local newspaper, and I think Richard Wilson was doing a tour around mm-hmm. Tasmania. Of course, the headline was something like, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. If, if, you're, if, you're cruising, if you're cruising around a few of the local uh, towns, you might run into a curmudgeonly old man <laughs> or something. That's how, that's how I remember this story in my head. And I've tried to Google it. I've tried to look it up, but I can't find it. So I don't right. actually know whether... But I'm sure that he was here, and they must have caught up with him. And I'm like, oh well, I must take, you know, mm. take a look at this show. Was it like a stage tour? Do you think? Because he's theatre production. No, no, just, quite... just driving. He was oh. just driving. Okay. Like wow. so, just as a, as a tourist, or I think, but I can't be a hundred percent. So, do you think there's other people where you live enjoy One Foot in the Grave? I, it just seems. Um... Because British comedy doesn't seem to... It obviously does reach across outside of our little island. Obviously, there are... If you take Only Fools and Horses, One from the Grave, they don't, they're not that well-received in America or other nations. They are, obviously, people do listen to them, but not in high numbers. So you might be one of a few people, I could be ignorant saying this, that are a fan of this, uh, this great sitcom. I don't know. It's... I dare say, Tom, you are ignorant on this. <laughs> we, grew, we grew up. My pro- entire 49 years, we've grown up on our ABC with British comedy. Okay, I, I stand corrected then. Um, two Ronnies, Dick okay. Emery, Dave Allen. The two Ronnies did, um, I think when they were semi-retired, they 
went to Australia, didn't they, to do to tour? Like if I if I remember not remember right, like I was old enough to remember, I would have been around. But I watching documentaries in the past, they did go to Australia to do um, their little skit, didn't they? Yeah, they would have been on our midday show, our oh, right, interview okay. shows, all that sort of thing. Um, we had all the British people that come out here, and all the Americans as well on our daytime and nighttime shows. But, what are, what yeah. other British sitcoms are you uh, a fan of? I must say The Goodies. Yeah. That's that's my favourite of all time. I've just finally got the box set. I'm raising my children on The Goodies. That's good. And of course, uh, unfortunately, we lost Tim Brooke Taylor this year. Yeah, we did, yeah. But of course, he played Derek in Endgame. He did. Which is uh, 5-9, the Christmas special. He was I an absolute, yeah, absolute nervous wreck. I think Endgame is my favourite special, definitely. I love Endgame. Yep. Yeah, and I, there's all there's also a chance, maybe I remember seeing him in that episode, which is maybe when I caught up, mm. started watching One Foot. So like we're going back to the Christmas special. It's season five. So I'm yep. like, there's Tim, and then <laughs> and then he was gone. <laughs> he was never to be seen again. And I'm like, oh. Oh, that character, and then yeah, and a lot of it in my mind is because of the bizarreness of the the scenes and everything. Like sometimes, well, I was only probably nineteen or twenty. Um, I had no clue what was going on. Mm. I don't think I understood the humour. It was just all these bizarre scenes, as in in this, as in this only a story. Yeah, there was so so much that I go, I don't know what's happening. Why is all these weird things happening. <laughs> and now, of course, you're old, you're older, you're mature, you understand everything that's going on and you just yep. see the brilliance of it. Also, uh, Yes Minister, Yes Prime Minister, yep. Hancock's Half Hour, Tommy Cooper. Some absolute classics, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dick Emery, like I watched with my nan when I was little, yep. uh, Two Ronnies, all those. You 70s. really like some of the gems, like the cornerstone of British comedy, like where it all starts at Hancock's Half Hour. That's probably the, one of the first... That's probably a bit of a revolution in comedy in Britain. Hancock's yeah. half hour, fifty like late fifties. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, remember so, the, I remember they had the the Hancock's half hour black and white on our ABC, which is like your BBC, which we get all a lot of our shows from, um, yeah. all in black and white. Like not something that they do now. No, uh, you know, to be to be even that old for me to see it. Mm. In, in my in my formative years, but they're on, and I'm like, oh, this this is this is genius, <laughs> <laughs> just fabulous. And I will throw in yep. a little show from 1989 to 1993 called KYTV. Oh, yeah, with Angus Deaton and Mike Fenton Stevens. Yeah, Angus Deaton played my channel. Jeffrey Perkins, who was in the Dawn of Man, played Patrick's gay brother. Yeah, Michael Fenton Stevens, of course, played Jeffrey Piffer's brother in Hole in the Sky. Yes. Yes, and um, again, by the time this airs, you, you hopefully would have heard the Mike Fenton Stevens uh, podcast I did, which was great to have him on. Um, so he talked a little bit about that. So, oh, okay. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, but yeah, look forward to that. Well, if you if you listen to this as it's aired, yeah, hopefully you, you will have done. But go and check it out. All right. Oh, well, it was brilliant. I am in the future compared to you. It was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Come Glad on, everybody. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Listen to this episode. It's a strange concept. <laughs> yeah, you are basically in the future on paper, aren't you? Um, before we go delve into the episode, is there any... Um, I don't want to make it all about British comedies. Is there any Australian 
Tasmanian sitcoms that are well well known where you are, but maybe not so much at this end? Uh, we've got a one that's filmed in Tasmania called Rosehaven, which I haven't actually seen. Yeah. Um, because of family life at the moment, I just don't seem to get anything. Want get time to watch anything? Kingswood Country back in the seventies, best bits of the Late Show. There's a yeah. group called Working Dog that have produced movies and and television and lots of um, television mm-hmm. shows that are still on. Yeah, that, that's sort okay. of my favourite. But I guess um, American and British dramas, comedies, is quite well received where you are and you've got the channels. So I guess does that grace your screens more so? Yes, well, than... we've always had the influence. Always had the influence of both. We've always had the the American and the English exposure. Yeah. So depending on what your Aussie humour is like, it can you know. Yeah, some people okay. were British fans watching the ABC, but some people like the American sitcom. Yeah, although there doesn't seem to be a lot of them anymore. We seem no. to have local programming. Yeah, a bit more. Yeah, I don't. Uh, a Big Bang is about the only one of the last decade that I I can really remember that's hung around. A lot of the others don't screen here, and that's all we had 30, 30 years ago with American sitcoms and uh, dramas, Dallas and Dynasty, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Today it's all about one from the grave. So I'll do a quick synopsis then. There's a, this is my own synopsis. Uh, it's a very short one. There's an unusual yep. role reversal in behavior between Victor and Margaret, which is accompanied with the presence of Mrs. Warboys with no thanks to the recent flooding of her flat. So we open up with scene one in the military kitchen. Uh, late at night, it seems. It looks like they've just come back from visiting great aunt Joyce, a family relative that we often hear about but we never see as usual it sounds like it's something they do once a year the annual pilgrimage as victor sarcastically puts it i think it's fair to say it's not one he enjoys well a relative he doesn't particularly enjoy visiting uh other than i don't know if it's his side of the family or margaret's i don't think we ever really know do we i get the impression it might be his side of the family but i don't want to dwell on that for for too much but he does say that it's like entering a mummy's tomb every time they go there so it's probably some old rundown old biddy's house by the by the uh sounds of it margaret knows this is quite a cold in the house so it, that will that will play nicely in a moment what victor does he places a brown paper bag of something on the table uh, and the lights are on now so we can actually see what's going on they more and more they do come through the back door as the series progresses they don't they rarely come through the front I don't know why they do that other than it's just easier for filming. But again, I'm not, I'm no expert in that field. What, what's in this paper bag that uh, Victor's put down? A pair of gloves with six fingers on each hand. Which is a, a real godsend, as he says. Um, she said you might, you might grow into them. And I don't know if that was done purposely <laughs> or like he quips. There's a bal- you might have a bal- balaclava with two heads next time. But it's, it's a thought that counts, I think. I think the gloves is a fairly regular feature because I think in the Affair of the Hollow Lady, they, he orders some gloves to be posted to him and they were boxing gloves, which there's a bit of a mix up, mix up there. Um, I'm sure there was another gag with gloves somewhere along the line in, in the series, but there you go. So, no, so notice that Margaret says it's quite colder than usual and they both head into the, the living room, dining room, living room area. And we're, we're met with that sudden sound effect. Uh-oh, kind of uh, noise effect, which is ever more present in the series. It's obviously just to highlight there's something that's gone wrong. The first thing we see is a really 
it's a bit of a depressing scene, but funny that they've, they've had wallpaper. They seem to be decorating the house more and more. A good few episodes where they've been decorating since they moved in. Victor Margaret's efforts have gone wasted because all of the wallpaper is uh, all come off, come away. I've never put up wallpaper, but I can imagine that took quite a while. Like, what's it, Victor says? Enough paste um, to sink a battleship or something? Battleship. Yes, can't understand it. Put enough paste on this to sink a battleship. Margaret gives a great, oh, for the love of Mike, when she enters the room too. I love Margaret. I say this also, I love Margaret's screeching and growling at whatever unfortunate incident has put her away. And I, was, I quite like the line. I don't know if it was um, Margaret or Victor who said, what are we going to do with this? Use it as a giant elastoplast. Yes, but it's just Margaret. She does say first, uh, slapping it here and there everywhere like Charlie Drake in the Sistine Chapel. I had to Google him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I find I have to do with a lot of these one-liners. They're clever, and I, I, I get where they're coming from, but I don't always get the reference. It, it's just the way the, the lines are delivered are, are funny enough anyway. So as they're clearing away, we're, we're, we sort of hear a faint snoring sound, and Margaret is just looking at towards the sofa with two large strips of wallpaper. And the big reveal is <laughs> Mrs. Warboy is fast asleep um, beneath the water. It's just a marvellous image, really, isn't it? Because she has slept right through this event. <laughs> and, it's probably... and her little hands, her little <laughs> hands clutched as if she is cold, as a, like a nesting little bird. Yeah, it's, it's very sweet and it's very unfortunate. It's typical Mrs. Warboy's, but it's a lovely little surprise because... The likes of Mrs. Warboys and Mr. Swaney, they don't really grace our screen too much. They just pop up here and there. But it's lovely that she is there and she's slept right through it. And already at this at this point, Margaret is the stroppy, short-tempered one. And Victor is so far, apart from his little rant about seeing great art Joyce, is quite calm. But when they see Miss, Mrs. Warboys sort of clep, um, like old lady, old lady type image, uh, asleep. Margaret is furious but Victor is for once sticking up for his friendly rival which is quite unusual. He's he's almost always got something to say in a, neg- a negative tone about Mrs. Warboys but not um, not today. I don't, I don't know why Margaret, she was a bit short-tempered even before she saw the wallpaper incident before I so I wonder yes. what's riled her up before this well she's already she's already over Mrs. Warboy's staying so that's, well, that's the position I guess it's she's that. in I guess you yes, are, yeah I guess she's already had a week or yeah or something to put up with her then she's really mm. over it yeah because she says if, if she has to spend another night here I might have to kill her and I guess before we learn learn of that bit of information it is sort of what is up with Margaret but yeah it's pain, painfully obvious Mrs. Warboys has been there all week. And it's just ironic that it should be Margaret that's fed up and not so much Victor. But there you go. Well, Victor says she's had a lot of upset this last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would like it if your flat was flooded and you had nowhere else to stay. And Margaret mm. gives him a look as, oh, okay. Yeah, this is <laughs> you're, you're still You're still relaxed and tickety. Yes. <laughs> and it turns out that Victor has been seeing some sort of therapist of sort just to help his stress levels which is probably much needed for Victor so it explains why he's so relaxed about the whole not only having Mark, um, Mrs. Warboys to stay for the week but this the wallpaper falling to pieces which they would have spent quite a lot of money on I, I would have thought and a lot of time 
So yeah, it's very unusual. It's probably not only stressful for Margaret to have a, a friend's day for the week, who's will learn in the moment that she's been quite fussy and, and interfering, but having a husband that's usually stressful, quite relaxed, and she's sort of taking the burden or all, all the pressure on her shoulders, whereas Victor doesn't, doesn't seem to care in the moment. So you can see why she's completely wound up. This episode, we'll see Mrs. Warboy's poor, unintentionally wind up uh, her friend Margaret because she's doing things like cleaning the curtains. They're absolutely filthy. Or talk about long overdue a wash. She makes these comments, doesn't she? Like she doesn't mean innocently. To, it is always innocently, but yes. And and I assume that since she's staying, she thought, well, I'll I'll help out. Margaret still mm. has a job at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fine balance. If you're staying around someone's house for a long period of time, there's a there's a balance between the, the sort of help that Mrs. Warboys were offer, where she's literally stripping down the house and cleaning every orifice, to maybe just doing the dishes or I don't know, putting the rubbish out. But yeah, she she sort of goes hardcore and hardcore with the whole helping out side of things. <laughs> Margaret asks Jean if if there was uh, a collection for the picture. That was oh just just before that oh yeah sorry while while Mrs Warboys is awake uh, asleep uh, Jean Jean uh, Margaret's like Jean Jean she says oh for a stick of dynamite as she pushes her awake Jean <laughs> Mrs Warboys wakes up and says what happened has there been an earthquake <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no no Victor's papers just come down and she doesn't realise yet why it, why it has uh, but Jean's on her antihistamines. And they're making her a bit, making me a bit dopey, I think, as she rubs her eyes. Often dopey, isn't she? So it was hard to tell. Very dopey. <laughs> it's a, it's, and it's a good point, actually. If you were in a dopey state of mind, you would, and you woke, and you were uh, Mrs. Warboys, and you woke up, you might think there's been a, an earthquake, but um, she must know they've also been putting up, well, she does know that they've been hard at it with the decorating, because she does point out all the effort you went to as well for putting it up. So, um, yeah. Yes. Funny, very good. Margaret notices where have the curtains gone? Yes, sorry, yeah. This is the thing. I my I try and do things chronologically, um, but you've done your homework more so than I, Glenn. So you're going to be carrying this episode. So I hope you know. But thank you. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have I have ninety eight percent of the script in front of me. I thought it's the only way that I can get all these. I can't do their lines justice. But no, that's fine. To, I mean. To be, l- l- the, the comedy of it, the 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 way that it's structured, is just brilliant. It is marvellous. Where have the curtains gone? Oh yes, I took them down to the dry cleaners for you, and the ones in the front bedroom. Talk about long overdue for a wash. <laughs> <laughs> the cheek of it. As most curtains are, but it's not like <laughs> it's not like to ha- it's not nice to have a guest tell you that they're long no. overdue for a wash. <laughs> because I, I can't say I've ever had curtains washed i just don't think it's something most of us would do but again could be ignorant with that statement um i think yeah so margaret this i don't know if it's at this point or not roughly this point asked if gene had had, um was in around four o'clock for the collection of a large well of a portrait that was um an enlargement that had gone wrong yes so there was a for some reason i don't know why i don't know if it's explained there's a portrait uh, drawn of Victor or Victor and Margaret. I think we just see Victor in this painting, don't we? Yes. So as Jean leaves, goes to open the door, we do actually see a large, 
portrait of Victor before she um, leaves the the room. She did say she doesn't she doesn't think anyone's turned up unless it's someone who came when she was having a bath at around four o'clock. At four o'clock time, yes, exactly. exactly. Which is again, <laughs> there's two or three things that's happened already in this scene that's wound up Margaret. One of them is the reason, I guess, is the big reveal of why this, the wallpaper's come down is because she turned off the central heating. She doesn't think it was good for. She doesn't think it was good for her pet cockatiel, for, which is for helping good. Nikki's tummy bug. Yeah, um, which of course is supposed to be. Um, I think Margaret sarcastically says. Quite good for drying out wallpaper, possibly, but not for his little tummy. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of her pet, their their um, efforts have gone to waste. Which, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. I don't know why the pet cockatiel couldn't maybe stay with her in the in the guest room but i don't know with the window open but yeah. margaret 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 is literally punching the wallpaper oh, i love that stomach and then the Night-ching! i yeah. love that line expressing that is, that her is anger like taking out the the big balls of paper out on um well <laughs> yeah she's just letting her anger out isn't she she moans to victor that she well i don't know if she moans to victor or to herself Probably to bit to that. Jean will be in the bathroom now for mm. an hour and a half, taking her face off. Taking her face off with a bottle of hydrochloric acid, we could do it in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> She's really hating on her. And again, Victor's defending Mrs. Warboys. And uh, Margaret does at this point ask about his therapy, which is this is where we actually learn. I know I mentioned it earlier. And he just explains it involves um, having this almost like a um, reflexology. Uh, stimulating different parts of his foot just to reduce anxiety and stress. And, um, of course, it, this is where you sort of have to reflect and go, wow, it's, it is an unusual stance for Victor. He's relaxed. Margaret, not so much. Um, but she doesn't suspect it will last. The audience probably doesn't suspect it will last. We hope it doesn't last because we love Victor is when he's at his worst uh, without sounding that we wish him too much pain. But when he is at his most stressed, it's the most funny well, the most comedy output, I think, which brings us to the next scene, sort of that classic. Instantly, instantly to the next, to the next line. That classic hallway shot from the top of the stairs is just iconic. And I think it's more so With because... Victor shouting, And it hasn't lasted long, has it? For all we know, this is only later on in the day. I don't know if it's the next day or not, but he's straight on it. I think Margaret's walking down the stairs as this is happening, and she's... Yes, I mean, she's pick fed up, up the paper. Yeah, and um, she's fed up. She walks past the huge painting of Victor. Victor photo, yeah. Why do you think they've had that done? Because I know in series six, um, in the final episode, she's had a painting done of her and Victor, but it's the joke is the picture of Victor is of someone completely different. I can't remember who. It's Alistair Sims. Alistair Sims. Any idea why well, they would have a painting? This is just described as an enlargement gone wrong. They've sent away for, I don't know, a... A4 type enlargement and has come back the size of a, the size of a house. It's, it's, <laughs> like it's, the large television. There's lots of... Yeah, there is a mix-up. The large yeah. television mix-ups with things that are bigger and smaller than what they're supposed to be. And she walks past the picture oh, into the a, kitchen and starts yeah. noticing that everything's yeah, she moved can hear like or a, shuffled around. She can hear like a scuttering or something just before yes. that. And she goes to investigate. Like, Morning. Just thought I'd get some of the filth out of these cupboards for you. <laughs> Well, I don't suppose you get the time, do you? I mean, you couldn't hope to keep this place spotless, and I wouldn't expect it of you. That last line, 
and I yeah. wouldn't expect it of you. I just, I just it, love it. It's, it's sort like, of a backhanded compliment, a, <laughs> and a, it's a, it's a bit of a put down, isn't it? And, and just the way she says filth, just get some of this filth this, out. You know, <laughs> you would, you might say, I just thought I'd clean out the cupboards, just you know, just in case you felt the need to do it. But she's not subtle with not her terminologies or her, just her abrupt phrase. The, the abrupt phrases she uses. They're not intentional. They, we just know that, but it's enough to. Margaret's had it up to here already, and she's. This <laughs> is the kitchen, the right state. She just cleaned out everything. To be fair, I mean, it's. If someone cleaned up my cupboards, I would. I might sort of feel blimey. Is it that bad? But I would be grateful because that's <laughs> a job I don't. I can't be bothered to do, and one probably many of us don't do. But nevertheless, it's um, hilariously patronising. This is where Margaret says, any more news on the, on the flats by chance? You know, the weather is still raining heavily, so they can't actually pump out the water, we learn. So uh, Jean is there to stay for a, a wee while longer. Margaret's making a cup of tea or something, and she mm. goes to sit down. There's utensils on the chair with uh, a foreboding. Yes. It's that, all very it's, it's all very clever. It all, li- it will all line up for, well, bring us up to well, a... Uh, exactly. A crescendo of silliness and, and unfortunate moments to come. But Victor comes back in to the kitchen from his fresh from his run. He's in his dressing gown, isn't he? So this this is presumably yes, the very morning. next morning. Yeah. He says, Oh yes, anytime you like like matey, wherever you like, slams the door, comes inside. Yeah. And he's moaning about the the chimney sweep uh, worker. He's parked on his front lawn, so he'd threatened to let down his tyres, that's the only way to sort of move him from his lawn, so Victor's in the right as ever, but there's always a way to to go about things, it all depends how the, the chimney sweep person was coming across if he was aggressive back to Victor then Victor's got every right to sort of outwardly express his, express his um, emotions but um, he doesn't do things by ass, does he Victor, he's just full on rant. Um, he says I'll, I'll give him nowhere else to park cocky bastard. bastard i don't know whether it's, it's the scottish in them both some of those lines mm. that like thrill me or yeah. or they make them make them stand out more yeah but just the the way it's that it's said it's, it's a good some of these use, things it's a good, is brilliant it's a good use of the of bastard bastard he does yes. it's brilliant it's used more and more as the series goes on and even as i sit here I wasn't going to move it either till I threatened to let his tyres down, sweep his chimney for him. Next time he tries that lark. <laughs> Another bird reference. Yeah. Which I didn't think of till just now. No, it's there's some, some subtleties everywhere in this. He's keen to look at the local rag, the local newspaper with the headline MP's Gay Love Nest. And, oh, and Love Nest as well. Yeah. Nest. This is a bird themed It's a very strong episode. Yeah. He's surprised to learn that his letter has... So he's published... He's written to the editor, and he's surprised to learn that it's actually made... Um, I don't know it's a comments page or whatever. And he reads out his... I mean, he spots something already that he's um, unhappy with. On Monday night, I wrote to you a paper complaining about supermarket trolleys and public lavatories. <laughs> I was somewhat alarmed to find my letter signed Polly the Penguin of the Oswald Street Park Bird Sanctuary. <laughs> Well, elsewhere on the page was a report incorrectly stating that I had just laid a five-pound egg for the first time in captivity. <laughs> Greater accuracy by your proofreaders in future would be much appreciated. 
that's what she wrote, wasn't it? Yes, that's what I wrote, but look what's underneath. You're sincerely Mildred Herring, 13 Bolsover House, Wedlock Street. It's signed at Mildred Herring. Again, that's the other bird, that's another bird reference. Herring? No, that's a fish, isn't it? Herring, sorry. Heron, I was thinking of. Mildred Herring is the editor of this newspaper, not the person who wrote the article. Of course, Victor wrote this article, and they've mixed it up. So the editor's address at the top is actually the Mildred's address, which will be bring on further shenanigans, which is the, the, big, the big cock up, if you like. And now here's his name. He, he had the letter he signed. He, he had laid an egg. He was Polly the Penguin of the Oswestry Park Bird Sanctuary. And as mm. I'm reading along here, there's just birds. There's, there are flocks of birds. Yeah, everywhere. There are flocks of birds, the yeah. whole place. Now, I, I have a theory about this um, editor. Okay. Now, I put, it to, I put it to you, Tom, that she's not only a red herring, ah. but she is, she is actually a mild red herring. That's our Mildred Herring. And that's yeah. what I discovered as I was writing it down. I'm like, that says red herring. And I'm like, it actually red, says mild red mild herring. Mild red herring. Yeah, it's a good play <laughs> on words everywhere. It's very clever. <laughs> I didn't read I didn't really read into that as much. But when these these names that Renwick comes up with are they're either really like like quite quirky, aren't they? But sometimes there's more more to it than just a funny sounding name so i love i love that yeah mild red mildred herring yeah, she's also it's... from 13 bolsover house hemlock street now i know hemlock's a poison is that right hemlock. from shakespeare i'd have to hemlock? google i wouldn't know <laughs> i think i think that knocks you off so I, like there's so many other things on here that i, I feel like he's done like everything is deliberate he's yeah. the writer yeah so everything has a meaning yeah. So it's just it's just brilliant. It's just unbelievable. I've always it's, said read into everything or everything you hear or see with with particularly with Renwick's work, there'll be a, a good reason behind it, whether it's a joke yeah. or a bit of trivia or something to do with the episode. It's it's yeah. And you've done your homework there, Glenn. So thank you for that. I only did it by writing it down. If I hadn't wrote down that sentence, I wouldn't have seen red hair, red herring. No, and then no, I'm like, she's even, she's even a mild red herring. He's he's twice as clever. <laughs> you know, with like with comedy, what what television shows up until say the early two thousands, pre internet being as big as it is now, it's quite for Renwick to put in these little Easter eggs is quite clever because I don't think you'd imagine that many viewers would would read into things as much as we are now. But if you've got a, a modern television series. It's people can speculate online more than ever about what's out. Oh, there. they do it instantly, and they've got the whole script, and then they yeah. can ask questions. But because he's pre two thousand, mm. exactly, it's, just, it's, well, it's, like, it's like lost. The the, yeah. the brilliance is lost. Yes, it's just the thing. It's and I'm, that's why I'm hoping there's people more that there's more fans than ever rewatching One Foot and going, oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, well, that's clever, and that's you know, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is nineteen ninety five now. I know internet was around, but not in the same, you know, social media wasn't introduced for another, not in the mainstream for another 10 years after that. So, yeah, it's crazy that um, Renwick would, would, would make up these little, well, like I said, play, play on words and, and um, these little these little subtleties that don't get picked up until decades later. It's crazy. 
Anyway, so in the, in this moment... He needs moment, a full interview, Tom. He needs a oh, full interview. You know he needs a full interview where all these things can be asked. And he said, yes, I'm glad yeah. someone finally got it. <laughs> to have Renwick on this, this show, it'd have to be a 10-parter because I, I wouldn't let him go. I'd have so many questions for him. And I'm huh. sure listeners would, would equally want questions. Would love such, it. Such a private guy. I don't, he's not... Um, He's he's hidden away, and that's that's um that's fair that's fair game, I suppose. But I had Andrew Stowe on um, a few a secret of the seven sorcerers, and he spoke of his um, very lucky brief experience with uh, chatting to David Renwick. So that's quite something yeah. money can't buy. So um, yeah, if I could get Renwick on, if there's a way. Um, anyway, sorry, back to so he just there's also there's also I'll, I'll point this out. Yeah, Victor goes to say his famous line. Oh. Can you believe this? And he doesn't say, I don't believe it. There is a theme with everybody that I'll point out as we go or at the end. I don't know what was going on with the reviews or the critics about the show back then, but the line mm. is cut off in this episode. But Margaret, Mrs. Warboys and Victor all get to say the line in a different way. Mm. As we get to them, we can, yeah. we can go. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, there's not a lot of, like, articles. I, was, I suppose if you Googled enough, there'd be articles about, oh, you know, it, as he's saying, it's only a story. So maybe mm. the critics were too harsh. Maybe they didn't get it. I, I don't know. But this seems to really... Yes, only a story. And only a story literally would be a, a reference that Mrs. Warboys makes later on um, in a later yes. scene. But there's a bit of slapstick visual humour comedy here. Victor sits down on the, a tray. What kind of tray is this? So this is a re- direct result of Mrs. Warboys getting everything out of the cupboards and the oven and whatever. It's like a tray with spikes on. What's that used for? I, th- I think they used to put pineapples on them. Is it really? Okay. I think. I or think put, we can put like meat joints on there so the the juices can flow yeah. through. That's probably what it's. I have, but it's, it's yeah. something they haven't used for years. And Victor sat directly on that. And that Mrs. Warboys has run in from the living room. She's you know absolutely horrified. And um, if if Victor is had previously been relaxed about Mark, uh, Mrs. Warboy staying there, he probably isn't now because <laughs> that spike's gone right up his backside. He's ranting at this point, leaning over the sink, and then the ch- a chimney sweep brush comes through the letterbox. Bo- letter the sheer cheek of this, and it's going right up his backside. <laughs> Funny to watch, but... I it's just think that guy's, that guy's lost his chimney sweep forever now, but that's the, that's the, what's the word I'm looking for? The sacrifice he's prepared to make to get back at Victor. He's got no, it's funny, but he's got, that guy's got no right to do that, has he? Like, just, he's, Victor's done nothing to him other than shout at him for parking on his lawn. But, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very well edited scene because I didn't realise upon mm. repeated viewing uh, for the, the chimney sweep, the, the, the stick itself. Mm. that uh, Victor's leaning leaning over the sink. He said, just when I was beginning to relax a bit as well, and the and the chimney brush creeps through the house, through the letterbox, creeps past Mrs. Warboys as she's fluffing the pillows, which looks hilarious. And then Victor's talking in the background. Yeah. And he goes, I mean, if you can't come down to breakfast without getting spike up your... Yep. And then and that, it's it, perfectly it timed. Yeah. But it's actually, a, it's actually an overdub. He's not actually saying that at the time. Is he not? He's leaning on the sink. He's he's leaning on the sink speaking, and they creep past Mrs. Warboys, and then he talks again. But the actual talking, when it, he's not actually 
saying it over the sink. Right, That's why it's okay. so perfectly so well times. And then he reacts to it with... This is the thing about re-watching an episode, and especially for a podcast to discuss it, you're going to notice these little ditties, aren't you? Rich Wilson plays it marvellously. That ends that scene there. Following scene, whether this is, again, I don't know if this is later in the day, the next day, or sometime in the future, Victor is... No, it would be probably the same day, sorry. Because um, something we didn't mention, Margaret has asked Victor, when did you last have a tetanus jab? So he's now at the hospital, trying to find he's his way... He's lost at the hospital. He's lost at the hospital. As, exactly. yes. as is... What happens in life? You just so many different corridors and signs, and um, out of nowhere, he's greeted by Mr. Swaney. Morning, Mr. Meldrew. You need a bat. <laughs> he's, he's um, looks like he's about to head into an operation, or he's just come from an operation. He's led on a, a table with um, I think a big, I don't know what that, what it's called, where near his nether region, there's a, like a, a raised table protecting his. Can I, can I just say? Yeah. When he calls out, morning, Mr. Mildrew, you need a map with a big oh. smile on his face. That is so beautiful. Yeah. He's just innocent, innocent child. He's, uh, he's I just, a, yeah, I love him. And I don't know whether he, he, he sounds like he has a cold when he says you need a map, but I don't know if it was because probably he was laying flat. Possibly. But he says it with such a big smile. Morning, Mr. Mildrew, you need a map. I just go, oh, I love that. It's just a brilliant, out of nowhere. It's just amazing. Owen Brennan plays it marvellously because he, he's always, his character's almost always smiling and no matter what situation he's in, he, it's, it's kind of, he looks bizarre. I mean, he's in a hospital, so it's not that bizarre, but it's just, no matter what situation he's in, whether he's firing a bow and arrow, not a bow and arrow, but through his, his house or he's calling up to his mother who's clearly not there or not at the window um, trying to interact with her. It's always a bizarre situation, but he makes it so no- like normal, which is part of the charm, I suppose. And Victor, that's when he said he's just there for his tetanus booster. Looks down and says, uh, so um, uh, what about... Um... What's about, what about you? <laughs> and we learn that Mr. Mr. Sweeney is, uh, what well, he says very casually. My foreskin's been on the waiting list nearly three years. <laughs> so, but very sinister reason. And now, I don't know if I'm reading into this, but... He said you mentioned something to do with a bottleneck. Yes, he said it's terrible when he gets stuck in a bottleneck like that. That's the waiting list for his operation. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, play on. Yeah, okay. Yes. See, I read. I read even more into it than I should. It's literally a phrase, bottleneck. <laughs> yes. Where you're yes. at the end in a big like queue, and it's it's not many people can get past the line for a. <laughs> but of course, we we the viewer like I did there, and I have done since since I rewatched it. I thought, blimey, is there some? Is he? There's slightly um, something sexual <laughs> gone on here that I think it's very... But yeah, I literally read uh, Vic, too much. Victor, Victor does a great... I beg your pardon. Yeah. <laughs> and the next line, which is even... The next line is where it says, I wasn't sorry to see the back of it. I don't mind saying. Which even... <laughs> so now thinking, the back of the bottle. I like it's a, it. Was, it was a triple entendre. I thought that was brilliant. Almost to the, to the point I fell for it. thought there's got to be more to it than that. But this is why I've got you on. You put me straight on there. But it's a funny, it's a brilliant bit of confusion. Incredible image to have in your head by Mrs. Oh. Swainy's hospital. Well, I'm not even surprised because I thought, <laughs> unofficially, he's this, it's, it's like Mr. Swainy's life is like a, a psycho. It's like Norman Bates. Norman Bates. So it wouldn't be surprising if he was, there might be something sinister going on with that kind of thing, but it's never really confirmed. And he's too, he's a nice guy and 
even that sort of play on words had me going. So I thought, oh, because I just didn't. <laughs> I was very gullible in the moment, but um, I'm not afraid to, to admit that. Their conversation is relatively short there because Victor is trying to find where he's got to go. Well, he says, he says I'm glad I bumped into you because we've got a bit of a do on at home tomorrow night. The annual news up at the Dixon and Doc Green Appreciation Society. Society. Things can sometimes get a bit merry about 9.30. Do feel free to bang on the wall. And you know so Victor that. says, so, so Victor says, better see if I can find my way out. And yes. says, good luck. Good luck with the other. And that's when the sound, that's when the sound of the chipping starts. Mm. If, you, if you notice, you don't hear it the whole way until the chipping starts. And then Mr. Swain, he says, Is he down the end with him taking all the plaster off? Mm. <laughs> Turn right then, you'll be out in the car park. As Victor starts to fumble. So fumble clever, isn't it? He goes oh, to, like, oh, what's oh. he? Yeah. Was he going to just have a look at it? Like, he's that polite. <laughs> oh. I mean, it's easy. It's just clever. Like, there is builders in that hospital plastering. So it's just oh, ridiculously clever. I just, I just, yeah, I just don't know what to say. Renwick, just every other line is a gag, isn't it? Almost. And, yes. Um, there's so yeah. much in that tiny little scene. It's hilarious. And of course, Mr. Sweeney, of course he does sticks in a dot green appreciation society. I mean, that's, that's him all over, isn't it? And I, I think if yes. Mr. Sweeney was a real person, he would be podcasting. He would be doing a podcast on uh, one of his hobbies. I don't know, bird watching or something. I don't know. That's just, that's his character all over. I can, I can imagine yes. it, him doing the, I never watched Dicks in a dot green. No, I've only no. ever heard of it. No, I, just I one of those things that's always been there, but was on for a very long time. Yeah, it's. I've heard it referenced in the Office. I think you ever watched the Office with Ricky Gervais, but other than that, I've not. No, I've never really heard, never seen it. So moving on now <laughs> to the evening time uh, living room with Victor sat in his usual seat. Ma- um, Margaret, Mrs. Warboys, sorry, sat on the sofa. Um, they've both been just watched a two and a half our drama mystery by the sounds of it and they're both commentating on what's just happened can we go through this one slowly there are so many lines yes, go on then, Glenn. Okay. okay so victor says well that was as clear as mud two and a half hours and i still don't have the faintest idea what that was all about gene mm. says surprisingly you can't beat a good mystery and victor says yes but i mean but who did it then in the end and as he says, in the end, he leans forward to reveal the rubber tube that he's sitting on because, oh, of course, yeah. he's had the pineapple spike up his ass. or the pineapple spike up his ass. There we go. <laughs> so Mrs. Warboy says, the short fat one with a ginger moustache. And Victor says, how could it have been her? She fell out of a helicopter halfway through over Cheddar Gorge. Now, oh. I would say that David Ren- Renwick finds that a little bit cheesy. And cheddar, cheddar, cheddar Gorge, yeah, cheesy, but also just yeah. Cheddar Gorge isn't far from me. It's well, it's about oh, it's a real place. It's, yeah, love it. Oh, I didn't. Okay, yeah, Cheddar Gorge is um, Somerset. Oh, I don't know. This might not mean much to you. Might, I don't know. Have you been? Have you visited England or Britain? No, no, no. Okay, it's. it's oh, I will Google it. It's beautiful. It's um, have a look. Little Gorge Valley, a tiny. It's just off a. It's in some the county of Somerset. And um, yeah, it is the home of cheddar cheese. That's where they okay. originally um, manufacture it. And there's caves, that you, little excursions you can go on. You can go for, walk through the cheddar caves. You get, there's some nice little gift shops. 
nice little cute little tiny it's hard it's not a village it's just a tiny little drive through with mountains surrounding the countryside roads uh, but yeah you can watch you know, how cheese is made as a um it's very cute yeah and it's yeah. just off wells the city which is not far from i guess north bristol or south bristol but yeah it is a real place and i guess yeah it is a play on words with the, the cheesy line too clever for me i they're, thought he just made it they're, they're i thought i'm watching a, an american television show and it was too good <laughs> but they are using those victor and mrs wall boys the, the key thing here is they're doing that it's real it's true to life where many of us do watch these mystery drama films and we we do ask those questions. Who who did it then, and how can it have been her? I just love that image that we think Mrs. Warboys is describing this fat ginger bloke, but it's actually a woman. Quite cruelly, it's a woman. That <laughs> Victor's how can it be her? What what they they're to and fro, and basically Jean ends up dismissing it as only a story, which of course is the title. Part of this scene as well is where Jean does ask if Victor is heading off to Banbury Crescent for another reflexology visit could he swing by her place just to pick up some more clothes the Banbury Crescent is where she now lives so I think she split up with Chris her husband she's now in a we'll learn a much smaller abode compared to her grand old house back in a, from a previous series um but yeah I just love that and it, all the while, Mar- Margaret's sort of slaving away in the kitchen, isn't she, making um, a dinner, and she can see bird feed in her cupboards. So she's just yes. constantly reminded that she's got Jean there. And it's just... <laughs> and I think it's that moment she, Margaret walks in with a plastic bib around Victor's neck because he's a, a messy eater. Treats him like a child, I suppose, because he, he can act like one. Mrs. Wallboys says... How exactly does it work? I was That's thinking it. about booking a few sessions, and I can imagine <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that would oh, be when hilarious. We le- <laughs> when we learn what it really is, that it would be <laughs> extremely funny. And uh, Margaret is listening in. I think it's. I've probably jumped ahead, but before Margaret comes in with the bib, she is listening very, with some curiosity, yes. almost like, like she admires what Victor's doing, but just curious to know what really is going on here how exactly does it work again uh, this treatment uh, i was wondering if i ought to book myself a few sessions well there's nothing much to it really you just lie back and close your eyes and you go off into a kind of trance then she just manipulates different bits of your feet with a little finger and then 20 minutes later you come away and it's wonderful feeling all relaxed and tickety <laughs> and then Jean jumps straight back into the what the, the film they've just watched or the series they've just watched, and to uh, to wonder why the detectives asked D- David Dimbleby for his sperm. And um, I think Victor says a, to to eliminate from to yeah. eliminate him from their inquiries. Yeah, and she says very innocently, "Oh, I see." And Victor says, "Police can use sperm now as a way of fingerprinting people." Mrs. Warboy still looks dumbfounded and says, I don't see what was wrong with the old ink pads. Yeah. And it's Which I be- love. It's beautiful. It's just brilliant. all innocently delivered, isn't it, by her character? <laughs> and that's has no the, clue. Has no clue. And that is where Margaret serves up the, 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 I think, some sort of homemade soup. And Victor, I think, asks Mrs. Warboy's how Nicky's tummy's doing. He's on some antibiotics. So she really, really Antibiotic this. millet. Antibiotic millet. 
which I looked up as does not look appetizing, which I thought may have been a re which would be an, a horrible thing to be talking about when they're about to eat spaghetti bolognese. Jean does compliment the dinner despite not being able to taste it. This is nice. Not that I can taste it with my allergy, of course. It might be absolutely horrible. <laughs> I'm sure it's really delicious. It could be absolutely horrible. <laughs> and the um, look on Margaret is... Yeah. I mean, there's no need to say that. I mean, we know, again, as ever, she's innocent in what she says, but she doesn't need to say it. And, and so Victor goes back to the program. Yeah. And says, so whose head was that in the fridge? That never fitted in the plot as far as I can see. Mrs. Warboy says, her boyfriend. So Victor says, so who killed him then? And Mrs. Warboy says, nobody. I thought he was supposed to have committed suicide. Well, and stuck so his own head says, in the fridge. What? And stuck his own head <laughs> in the fridge. How, are you oh. meant, how on earth are you meant to fathom these things out? I mean, you say it's just a story, but there's got to be some point to it all. You can't just have a lot of weird things all happening for no reason, mm. which stops Margaret eating, looking up and says, why not? Like sort of bluntly, yeah. I don't know if it's Renwick's way of displaying his thoughts on maybe One Foot in the Grave critics, because there's lots of weird things that happen in One Foot in the Grave, not always with an explanation. It could just be his take on mystery dramas. We know, we know. I don't know if you've ever watched Jonathan Creek, but by this point, he's probably writing the first series because it was aired in 97. So for all we know, he's starting to get into writing mystery dramas uh, himself. There's got to be some point to it all. I mean, you can't just have a lot of weird things all happening for no reason. Why not? <laughs> well, because. Otherwise, nothing that happens would make any sense. No. <laughs> so the next scene, Victor is it's absolutely peeing it down, and he is outside of Jean's ground floor flat. It is a bit of a come down from her original house she lived in with Chris, which it might go to show that she wasn't the breadwinner, possibly, because she doesn't have this huge house like she did back in series three or four, whenever it was. So she's now in this modest ground floor flat. And oh my God, it's the, um, the, the one thing I noticed is that the audience seemed to find it funny that. <laughs> her bedroom was so badly flooded up to the sort of height of the bed um but of course victor is just packing a suitcase full of a few items and it's key that he can't zip the bag or the suitcase up so he's left to carry it with two hands and he's very careful with this until a duck flies past it which makes i remember jumping when i first uh, watched this years and years and years ago because it is out of nowhere. And of course, he falls in the water and all of her jeans clothes are everywhere, knickers and whatnot. And had that zip worked, of course, that that little joke wouldn't have worked either. But um, it's very unfortunate. Oh, hideous. That is quite the flooded house, isn't it? I mean, it's bouncing. It's a great little set. It's a yeah. great little set. It's, How did, it's, it's clever. It's, How do they... That's, that. it's, it's, smaller than a, it's smaller than a real room would be. Hmm. but it's just uh, the dimensions of it and you just think oh just to get that water level yeah it's just brilliant it is brilliant That's, that is gallons of water used for that short scene isn't it um unless there's some other clever, clever way they did it but um, now, now you say that the, the duck came out of nowhere yeah but as i was watching today 
the duck was foreshadowed because when Victor is looking around the room, yeah. he moves his head to reveal the duck picture that is above the bed. Oh, I didn't notice that. I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, that's yes, uh, it was yesterday, maybe not today. I'm looking, I'm like, I must look at the background. And oh, there's a picture above the bed of a duck. And he moves his head in front of it as he's looking around the room and moves it again. So the mm. duck is foreshadowed. It virtually comes alive when it flies in his face. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see the other picture. The other, there's two other pictures on the left, which I couldn't make out. But Mrs. So uh, because of Mrs. Warboys has now got a duck picture above her bed, it makes me wonder: is it actually her pet duck? Does she have a pet duck? I wouldn't put it past her. I, I looking at that picture, I thought it was a heron. For some reason, like a heron. But sorry, well, I don't know. know my birds. It looked like a duck to me. It could be. I'm just really looking. Not that it matters. I think. I mean, her her bedroom is absolutely cluttered, isn't it? I mean, I think it's ironic that she um, is all for a clean and tidy house, but judging by... I know she, it's flooded, but everything is still in place above water level. And it doesn't half look cluttered. Um, so. Do you know what time it was? It was 6.04pm, no. because there's a clock, a round clock. Is there relevance to that? What's the no? I'm just connection. I just picked up the time. Oh, okay. Because I'm trying to duck, read in. Read when the duck the... is the, the duck is swimming, it's six o four p.m. or six o three and a half. Okay. Just sorry, no, I'm nerding out. <laughs> I thought I thought the nerd reference might have have some sort of connection, but maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe if I Google six o four, there's a bird reference there somewhere. There could be. <laughs> no, there could be. Nothing happens by accident. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read into that now. When we finish this pod, I'm going to have to look into that. Maybe you'll find out for me. There's got to be a, a, a direct reference to only a story in some regard. I don't know. But that scene is quite short. Quite a lot of money would have gone into that um, scene just so, so we can see Victor fall in the underwater, experience a bit of bad luck. And he's definitely not relaxed and stress-free at this stage, which brings the scene back into the Meldrew kitchen. And Gene is now reading out the Dear Editor letters. Of course, he's been posted all of the mail that would have gone to Mildred Herring. And it's, of course, gone to their address, the people of... Riverbank and beyond now believe that Victor's address is the place to send your angry letters or your 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 feedback. And it looks like the, the decorating has recommenced as well. And Victor, as Gene uh, is reading out a, a a letter, and I think it's to do with an MP um, who had the editor who had spied on an an MP's. So that was the front the page of the paper earlier. Yeah, um, she's now she's now reading all the letters, and there was an angry letter about invasion of oh, privacy through the, the bedroom through the, the bedroom back, window on the back of that original newspaper article that we yes. saw earlier. Yeah. Dear Mr. Meldrew, I was utterly appalled by your front page article this week, <laughs> featuring photos of our local MP and his partner taken through a bedroom window. There is no justification for this blatant invasion of privacy. Oh, yes, a lot of, of letters about that one. Oh. Which is, again, keep that in mind. That's quite key. And during this time, Victor notices that Nikki, the birdcage, is nowhere to be seen. He's in a bit of a panic, of course. So what, one thing, I, a note I made about the whole 
um, dear editor section of this is I think Roman must have absolutely relished writing local musings and moans about the community because he's great at putting in these made up articles. Um, I think back in series uh, one and two, I think there was a few times that Victor would read something out from the paper and it's just the most bizarre local story. And that's true to life. If you've got local local newspaper where you live, Glenn, we, we have some absolute stonkers, which you just think, how has this made the paper? Um, because they have, can't think of anything else to, to, to print. So Renwick must have had an absolute joy making up these yes. local um, these local stories. I bet there's loads that they had to cut out. Um, all those letters on the table, I'd, I wouldn't imagine they've actually got anything in them, but I'd love to know if there's some other funny articles of, of, of interest. But of course, yeah, upon learning that Nikki, the, the cockatiel, has, has seemingly escaped, Jean absolutely panicked, doesn't she? She is, there's no rational response from her. She is pretty much dashes out of the the set at that point, isn't she? She's absolutely yes, she horrified. into the rain. Yeah, and I think, to be fair, who wouldn't, you know, um, walking the dog the other day in the, in the local woods where we are, we'd lost him for a Longer than I'd like, and he just wasn't coming back. And um, it is a bit of a panic, but especially a bird. I mean, unless it's a homing bird, it's uh, they just, they just that could just go. But yeah, I, I do um, sympathise with why why on earth the cage door was open. I don't know. Did, did they reveal that? No, no. He, he did ask. Yeah, did you close the door properly? And then she just goes goes insane and mm. runs outside. And uh, Victor actually says, "Stay calm. We don't know he's fled." Yeah which I think I only picked up on the closed captions because they were laughing so much at her panicked response. Yeah. Um, but he does actually say that, which mm. sort of forebodes also what happens later. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the next scene, so it's pouring down. I think it looks like Victor and Jean have been outdoors for longer than Victor would like, and he's absolutely... I'm not, I'm not, climbing, I'm not climbing up another bloody tree to bring down a piece of soggy toilet paper. I mean, how'd he get up there anyway? Yeah, yeah, he's he's at his wit's end, doesn't he? And it's tipping it down, and he's had enough. And poor Mrs. Warboys just wants to keep on searching. She thinks she can see a, a movement in the tree or something, or something fluttering in the distance. But what if he's been eaten by a cat, she says, and Victor says, at least he'll be dry. I um, love that. That is so funny. Nice dry response from, literally a dry response in humour from Victor. Um, there's no he door says, key. No, you just give me the key. I feel like a drowned rat. Key, Mr. Mildrew? I love oh, the way she says that. Crap. That is just a key, Mr. Mildrew. I like, she's just brilliant. Doreen. She's beautiful. Fantastic. Well, brilliant. first of all, I mean, they usually go around the back entrance and almost always that's unlocked. So I presume it's locked, but usually it, that's a... Uh, the way in and out of their house. So you'd think if they've, they've only they've been there most of the day, that would be unlocked anyway. But there you go. It's obviously locked for the purpose of the story. And uh, Margaret, Margaret won't be back for an hour. No, that's so that's have, a pain. They have no choice. Yeah, that's they are dealt with that situation. There's nothing they can do about it. Sort of something else I was going to mention. I can't think what it was. Um, oh, no, just I don't know how it's taken me now just to point out the office. Yeah, another episode with animal references, an animal very much taken centre stage. So, yeah, this time it's Nikki the cockatiel. It's just always something. It's not an episode that goes by, though, where there's not an animal referenced or an animal death or the, an animal insect or whatever. or a chimpanzee. Or... Yeah, all the time. And 
Now this this visual is brilliant. So we're now at Mr. Swaining's house. And we, before we see anyone, we see three chaps with policeman hats on all helmets. And it's just, this is just the sort of activity Nick Swaney would host. And this is the Dixon of Doc Green Appreciation Society before our eyes. Just before we see, I start, just as I watched this back, I didn't notice the um, stuffed taxidermy Alsatian dog next to one of the... Yes, there is. I didn't notice that before. It's obviously a key feature of the show, Police Dog. And Mr. Sweeney welcomes um, the drenched Mrs. Warboys and Victor in. Again, it's it's not very often you would have Mrs. Warboys and Nick Sweeney in the same scene. It must be only the second or third time we've had them together in the same scene, which is very, for me, it feels quite unusual. But um, he welcomes in Victor and Mark, uh, Margaret, Mrs. Warboys, and the guests greet them um, by I guess this is then the strict instructions to follow protocol and they get an evening all which is <laughs> most bizarre um, moment for, for Victor and Jean and I've been saying that for 45 years <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is a British British Bobby to us, even yeah, and all. Even and all. I think what I love about this is he does offer them the prospect of a lovely drop of strong whiskey to warm them to warm themselves up, and it brings a, uh, a joy to their face. Victor and Jean, of course, this is like a, a like a double joke because he's actually <laughs> says, "Well, in fact, you should say no thanks. I'm on duty," and then he proceeds to offer them a cup of tea. And <laughs> he wasn't joking. He wouldn't give them a, a drop of whiskey. And this is they're, they're playing by the rules. There's no drinking while on duty so i mean at least they're dry but they would have, it would have been nice to have a nice drop of strong whiskey to get to warm the old cockles as they say the names of the men in the uh, appreciation society mr christmas mr partridge and mr gallimore partridge well that's another bird reference there yeah christmas, so Robin. christmas and a par- partridge in a pear tree Three. i'm thinking okay so i've never heard of a gallimore so i googled gallimore this afternoon it's <laughs> Northeastern England sex toy made of rubber or plastic. <laughs> I, it's the only Gallimore I could find. I could not find any. I was thinking he was doing a Christmas theme. I have no idea. <laughs> and I was thinking, is that, is that link to his foreskin bottleneck? Quite possibly. I don't know. Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're playing... Now, I'm not, not sure of the, 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 this gag here, but they're playing a game of Hangman, which they let Victor and... and I want to say Margaret and Jean playing. It's very close to the the uh, the answer, and they can't get it. It's Constable Lauderdale, 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 which is a, a obviously a character, a main character from Dixon and Doc Green. But I don't quite understand why his friends aren't guessing it. Is there is there something obvious I'm missing? Uh, no, I think he's put it there for everyone else to guess, and the guy may not be as appreciative as Dixon and Doc Green as we're supposed to, as, as we're led to believe. Yeah. it's um... But Constable Lauderdale was played by Jeffrey Adams. Right. He was, he's been in Some Others Do Have Him, Are You Being Served and Steptoe and Son. Yep. He was also the first changeover cast for Mousetrap. So uh, I'm thinking... Mousetrap? Uh, Mousetrap. Uh, that is a long or, shot, isn't it? Or the detective, the detective did it. Yeah. Mousetrap. Could be something, something mm. there. The David's like, yeah, knows more than what we do, possibly. But um, short and I hope sweet. I didn't ru- hope, hope I didn't ruin the mousetrap for anyone. 
No, I didn't even think I didn't even think to look that far into it. Usually I do, but I decided not to. Not not consciously, but like you said, there's always a reason for these names and these uh, th- those character names were mentioned, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. a character name is not mentioned in an episode or something. But it's not but... the main character too. He's he no. was like fourth or fifth on the list. Right. So I don't know whether he's picked him out or he's seen him when he was younger. Hmm. Seen Mousetrap on stage, maybe saw him in Mousetrap on stage. Yeah. Bumped into been. him around the studios i don't know i did love that little scene this is a great episode i mean everything's great but that's just such a sweet that's just nick swain all over isn't it all that was missing yeah. was some interaction from his mother because... with a peep peep bing bing bong oh, bong ding love that <laughs> <laughs> i love that. i can't remember what episode that was off the top of my head but it's just when she smashes something really loudly <laughs> I, I can't remember what it was what was that scene now i can't think of it People at home again. It's X episode. I don't suppose that would have worked if they did that again, but some kind of interaction would have been brilliant from his mother. He could have said, "Mother, mother wants a D," and maybe she could have solved solved the puzzle. Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) It's the same evening. Margaret is now back. She's walked through the back door. Like I said earlier, if you Glenn, it makes me wonder if they, if Victor assumed that was a locked door or not, because he could have come home much sooner. But nevertheless, she does look fed up she slams like a newspaper down on the, on the table um she's just been like this the whole episode isn't she and she enters the uh, the living room and it appears and as clear as day nikki is in the cage and she shuts the cage door so, <laughs> so, um, so nikki had not fled <laughs> do you know what this is reminds me so i wrote this note when i watched this scene back it reminded me of the episode dreamland when she when margaret just went missing and she spoke yes. off the Almost like a bird in nightmare. the cage. Yeah, I wonder being if, dragged from the cage. Yeah. Yes, I wonder if there was that. If Renwick had that in mind to link that up as an Easter egg type thing, I don't know. But that's what I thought of at the time when I was watching this back. And this is when Victor and Jean both walk back in. Um, Victor very perplexed on where Margaret has been until this hour. What I was thinking, not again reading to it far into it than I should have. How did they know Jean was sorry, Margaret was back? Because of course, were they just keeping an eye out the, the back window? Had they attempted multiple times to come back home and she wasn't there? Because there's no mobile phones, is there, for her to say I'm home now? Because no. Margaret went out for a drink with her friend um, Meg, as who she works with, as as we've seen previously in Monday. Is it Monday morning? We'll be fine. But she said she she did try to call, but no one was home. So I just I very not very curious, a little curious as to as to what Victor and and Mr. Wallboys were doing to find out of to see when Margaret was home. I guess they knew she was gone for an hour, so I guess they just kept popping back. I suppose it's not a big deal. I don't know why I'm even going on about it, but it just made me curious in the moment. It's only a story. It's only a story. <laughs> it's only a podcast. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's about twenty past nine. We happen to learn. Is there any relevance to that that time? Do you think, Glenn? Twenty past nine of an evening? I don't know. Um, uh, light. Jean goes for a bath. I think before. Sorry, jump in. Jean is obviously relieved that Nikki is there. Little terror. We've been everywhere looking for you. With the, that look on Victor's face, I think, oh bloody hell, you were here the whole time. Yes, he does. He looks very forlorn, tired, wet, damaged. 
Victor's point of view, that is his evening wasted because had they just checked the house, I presume Nikki hasn't, didn't float. Say, if they just waited a little while longer, they'd have found the bird, they can get on with the evening, but he spent however however long outside in the wet. Then at Mr. Swainian's slightly peculiar gathering, and now it's 20 past nine. I mean, the, the night is probably still young for many, but for him, it's probably, well, that's most of it gone. All's well that now ends well. Is- yeah, Mrs. Warboys. Now, this refers back to where Victor was cut off from his famous line earlier. Mm. She says, Can you believe it? That's two. There is another one to come. And I'm like, I don't know whether he's copped critics on this. I don't believe it. Has it been said two times? But they do the opposite in this episode. And yeah. Everyone gets a chance. At this point, Victor goes to pour himself a drink. And Margaret comes in with a, quite a stern look on her face sort of with an assertive voice, quite rhetorically asking if he's going to carry on with his reflexology. And it turns out, I think in this, what Margaret's about to do now, where she's going to reveal something, is a bit of a revelation about Victor's visits to the reflexology. Yes, he's starting to get... He's starting to get upset again. He says, by God, I feel as if I've been up the Amazon and back today, I do straight. And Margaret says, oh, yes... Mm. As if to say, oh, do tell. Because I've read the newspaper. <laughs> you keep going. But did, the old tension coming on again, is it? She says. Does she read I, this article very quickly in the kitchen? Or do you think she's read it with Meg? No, she's read it. She, she's read it and then gone for a drink with Meg. I think right. just to steady her own nerves. Yeah. I was going to say. I did. She, she says, I expect you need another session with your re- reflexologist in Banbury Crescent. Yeah. Quite soothing, is it? And as she says, quite soothing, is it? As she's talking about a reflexologist, the finger moves the door. <laughs> now, this is um, this, this is what you contacted me about, didn't you, some time ago? Yes. And I just the finger couldn't... moves the door, and I and, and I find it incredible that, like, Mrs. Warboys has gone upstairs. She's yeah. not floating around, but they're actually performing the scene to have a stage person actually come over and move the door a fraction yeah. while they're actually doing the scene. It's, yeah, that's... It's, it's, Renwick is a bit of a perfectionist. It's strange how he would uh, allow that to happen. It, it's really hard for me to spot that. Um, but it's, but only, it's, it's only a fraction, but she is talking about quite soothing, is it? And you see this finger, not the little finger, as they, do, they have talked about. Mm. But it moves the door. Now, I can't think of the reason, like lighting, I thought, would be the main could reason be. could be but yeah it's only it's only a fraction of a move there's no it yeah. doesn't really affect the scene later on because the door i think margaret goes back around the couch and maybe moves the door again um, it's obviously a good I'm, reason for it isn't there but i can't think someone of... someone needed it done yeah and for them to for them to like just act, keep acting the scene while these people are moving around on the in the same yeah. room yeah. something you don't no. So Margaret's revealing what this thirty-two-year-old uh, bored housewife, Vicky Victor, has indeed been going to through a recommendation of a of a mate. Um, what's his? Not like it's a Jeff in the in the chippy recommended to see this healer. Just something I read in here in this article on the growing problem of suburban prostitution. I wonder if this strikes a chord at all. An interview 
with bored housewife Vicky, 32, who entertains a wide variety of clients behind the lace curtains of her bungalow in Banbury Crescent. <laughs> I get all kinds coming round, young and old. They all look normal, but you'd be surprised at the things they ask you to do. One bloke likes me walking across his back in high-heeled shoes. Another, elderly gent, pays me just to stroke the soles of his feet with my breasts. <laughs> I suppose it takes all sorts. <laughs> as seedy as it is, it's obviously worked on Victor because he it, something has had helped his stress levels reduce but this is this is what margaret's been this is just she's at the end of the tether because she's had jean living with them for the week or longer than that victor she probably she had probably been a little bit miffed that victor's been stress-free when she's been taking a lot of the stress on and now she's just learned of this that her, her husband's been going to see a woman who's been sort of inappropriate contact so she is really oh i don't know it she's in disbelief um victor's absolutely flabbergasted by this the idea of what he's been doing i don't know how he's not noticed this i know he's been asleep but blimey it's the fact it's been it's in an article in the newspaper now as well does does jean come back downstairs yeah jean comes yes. back downstairs doesn't she now, apparently, she's just had a bath, but according to Margaret, she takes an hour and a half, not specifically an hour and a half, but a long time, but she's the quickest bath in uh, history, For to be fair to Jean. She's blowing her nose, and she's a little bit sneezy, and um, I think it's it's there that it's quite, quite a nice thing, really, but she says she has got an allergy, and Margaret says, well, why have you got a pet bird, then? She's... It's, you know, she's not due to the pollen, it is due to the feathers. Why have you got a bird? Jean just says it's just the pleasure of having companionship and it's um it's better than being lonely. It's sort of, sort of a poetic metaphor. I guess it's just yeah, it's just nice. Um Jean goes off to make a cup of tea and um that sort of ends that storyline. That's that's it really. There's nothing more to it other than the great ending that this episode has. That poor old Victor did the, the finally we think that his address being put in the newspaper is the backlash, is the consequence to their cock-up. Did we say also, just to go back several scenes ago, that one of the complaints was of the newspaper getting getting um, fact-checking wrong or getting um, proof, needing to get proofreaders uh, to go through the mail, which ironically yes. means that the... the there's there's a funny like mix up. It's like a double joke, where dear dear editor, can you get your proofreaders to properly read through the mail, and then it's signed from somebody totally different. Yes, their their names switched. The switch, yeah, which is quite yes, clever. Yes, that's that that's why they think that that's why all the mail goes to Victor's house and the yeah. camera crew comes to there. And of course, that's why where yeah. So so Margaret puts the the television on, and we just see this very bizarre image of victor getting ready or getting dressed undressed in their bedroom i just think what the hell's going on here <laughs> you can even it's a live feed because victor's shouting down to, to margaret that he'll be down shortly for his tea or whatever and we cut to the a camera crew outside 
of the house, a TV, TV camera van, local news reporter. Tonight, as the fury mounts over a local newspaper's unwarranted intrusion into the privacy of its MP, we give the paper's editor, Victor Meldrew, a taste of his own medicine. The question, you can dish it out to others, but can you take it yourself? And of course, the cock-up of the editor name mix-up thing has had that final backlash, where it's, it's, it's their way of getting their, their own back at the, the supposed editor's address. So how do you like it? You print these pictures of our pr privacy of this MP. We're going to do the same to you now. And uh, yeah, which brings an end to the episode. Um, quite um, whether that would happen in real life, I don't know. <laughs> And an end to a great episode, um, um, uh, Mrs. Warboy's heavy episode. I think we were overdue one. I think the last Mrs. Warboy's heavy episode we had was probably One Foot in the Algarve, which is a few episodes back now. So how did you rate that episode overall? Oh, I love it. It'll be very special to me now that I've watched it so many times where we yeah. everything down. Yeah, you if know. I could just, if I could just pop back to when Margaret's all flummoxed, she says... Uh, where do you get any of your ideas, Victor? You tell me because I just, I mean, nobody would believe it, would they? So they're all, no one in this episode is saying, I don't believe it. They've cut Victor off. He says it. Mrs. Wallboy says it. Yeah. And now she says the opposite. They're all yep. saying the opposite to, I don't believe it. And there has to be a reason. Yeah. Has yeah. to be a reason. Just think of the, um, how much Victor can sue the television news channel and the newspaper for you know what's happened to him at the end there with the 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 lie feed into his bedroom with him getting his you just see the edge of his backside as the credits roll um and i i think he also dropped a newspaper if you go back and watch it all right he, he drops the newspaper i think he went to put it on the arm of the chair when he was leaving the room and then okay. he sort of comes back and then puts it on there so she can snatch it in a crabby. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I think that was a little bit of that. There was, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. just my pedantic. No. And I Mrs. Mean... Warboys, Mrs. Warboys also comes down the stairs after all that has gone through and she says, ah, oh, well, that's a happy ending, isn't it? Yeah. Like that. In her world, a happy ending. <laughs> it's all right for it's, her. It's not, it's, it's, it's not the same as having a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> rubbed, rubbed across, rubbed across your feet, and yeah, getting a happy ending. Oh. See, to me, I didn't know whether that phrase would have meant that way back in. Oh well, happy ending, happy, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, no, I think again, Innocent, in, innocently again, but with all the double and triple entendre, I would assume that well, they, he, he knew happy what ending, he was doing. nipple foot happy, and of course, yeah, Mr. Sweeney had the same thing, which is the point that I which didn't read too much into other than thinking, blimey, that's a bit dark. But <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a uh, double entendre. It doesn't happen that much in one foot. This episode. I never, yes, I never noticed. Yes. Yeah. I really noticed it in this one. Yeah. But I had more time to, to go through like six no. times. So it really stood out. So maybe something had happened. I don't know. I'd... Yeah. I mean, this... This episode didn't really have a a, a solid storyline, did it? It just had a couple of a couple of um, there's nothing of significance to their lives that's happened other than just incidences of the 
cock up with the, the the editor of a newspaper's address and Nicky the Bird. There's nothing really, but it's still a hilarious episode. Yes, series five is just solid. It doesn't for some reason the 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 ratings dipped for series five and series four is quite high. I just think the storylines get better and better and strong. Series four and five are on an equal paring for me. Yeah, marvelous. This episode will always be special. Like a lot of as as um, on here, you sort of start with episode one, and you work your way through to the end, and then you mm. say, "Well, I'll give myself three months break, and then I'll start again." Yeah. And then I found myself thinking, "Well, I'm going to watch this again and again and again." But the the more that I watched it, the more appreciation. Yeah, you grew do. for it. Yeah, yeah, did. and you know, taking notes and and what does this mean and what does that mean and even the things we discovered just talking about it about mm. the birds and everything the news reporter um and i i didn't think to look this up until now played by somebody called steve humphrey and as as is the case for a lot of cameos in one foot he's not been in anything this is all he's done in, in tv world um so he's yeah. just a, an ordinary guy who when i when i see that there's someone that's just made a, a really quick one-off appearance and not been in anything else for some reason, I I make the assumption it's just someone that the cast knows well in their personal life and doing them a favour, or just it can't be anything else because the guy played it quite well. To be fair, that's his only appearance. He might be a stage actor. That I mean, IMDb doesn't tell you everything, does it? But um, I'm always intrigued to see what these these cameo. His voice, his voice is very theatre or dramatic. Yeah, he does be. have a very strong voice. Mm. Yeah, he played it quite perfectly fine um in, in line with the show are you ready for your meldrew moan mr glenn right here is yep. glenn from from live from tasmania here's glenn's meldrew moan Well, I was going to be cheeky and talk about the lack of new episodes for <laughs> One Foot in the Grave. <laughs> and Can't then I thought... Wanting more. <laughs> password? Modern day passwords? <laughs> when you have all to right. reset them all the time? And, and up and down letters and, oh. and capitals and lowercase. And, yeah. and we've got like a work one with automatically after six months, it cuts yeah. off and says, you've got to do a new one, which yeah. drives me insane. But I thought my moan would be content. Content, there is too much content. Of what? Of, of, of everything, media, okay. shows. Yeah. I can't keep up. Yeah. Game of Thrones, I've never seen an episode. I think I've seen 20 minutes. Um, there's too much content in the world. We used, to have, we used to have communal viewing. If something happened, we could all sit around we go to school the next day and more than half the people would have seen it. We'd, we'd be sharing, we'd be talking about it. If something dramatic had happened, we would all have that shared experience. If something funny happened, but we only had two stations here for a very long time. Yeah. We got three and four. And now of course everything is streaming. But if you stream differently to me, we can't talk about what a great show it is because that's my yeah. mind. Modern day technology. Yeah, there's too there's, much content. There's there's too much, and and I've got you put on a series link 
and I just never get the time to press play mm. in, in modern day life. It's, I, I do echo that. I mean, it's good to have choice, but I find I, I don't get as much time to go through a series now I've got a little one. But even if I do have a, a, you know, a small window to look for something, I'm spending half the time flickering through Netflix or Prime just a good half an hour just go watch and then I'll get fed up and I can't that, bother. That, that's what I do yeah and then, 40 I'll, minutes. I'll, then I'll just the watch something go, that's yeah I'll watch something that I'm used the to the kids go away yeah the missus goes to bed because she's working I go I've got two spare hours to watch a movie 40 minutes later I go it's all crap, <laughs> <laughs> crap. <laughs> I give up in I give up in frustration yeah and, and you get and tired get, like I used to pick out the DVDs that I bought and I could fast forward through the action sequences in different movies and that and make the two and a half hour movie like 35 minutes. Yeah. But all the movies they have on, I, I, I go, um, I've, I've got, I'll, I'll watch Jaws. I can, it comes down to Jaws or The Godfather. I've got four versions of Jaws <laughs> on, on my cupboard. Director's <laughs> cut. Director's, director's yeah. cut. Yeah. yeah. I do that thing where I go, I'm definitely going to watch this next. But when it comes down to it, I think, well, there might be something else I'm missing out on. I'm sure I don't get my money's worth with these streaming sites because I do end up watching what I've already got on DVD. Oh, I'll just watch Faulty Towers. Yeah. or. But I would love to see One Foot in the Grave on Netflix. I know it's on BritBox, but if, if One Foot in the Grave was on Netflix, there'd be so many more uh, new viewers and it'll rekindle for the older viewers oh, some great memories and they'd watch it again and, and hopefully listen to the podcast and go, oh, let's, let's listen to a nerd talk to other yeah nerds about. but it's, um, it's on our it's on our classics channel here all right along with yes minister and yes prime minister is it on quite and regularly it, yes oh, okay. um on our foxtel on fox classics they'll have yes prime minister will start the yes minister will start or to run through then they do the two series of yes prime minister it'll yep. take about four weeks off and then it starts again wow. one foot's like that because instead of having to get this episode out of the box, mm. put it in the player, uh, one foot was on series link here. And yeah. I pressed record, kept, kept this episode so I could watch it over and over again. Yeah. Um, I think that'll run out and then I'll have like a month off and then it'll start again. I don't know whether that says yeah. um, how poorly our uh, stations, uh, how classic stations are done because... All the other things I watched as a kid, I don't know where they are. They're not there. Mm, yeah. But they, it's a constant flow. Only fools and horses are on here. Sometimes, are you being served you know, on a constant rotation? Yeah. I go through the 12 series and then start again, episode one in black and white. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, a, val a valid moan. And um, I mean, it is, it's, it's a luxury moan because there's lots out there to watch. But like you said, it, it does mean you can't watch it. Unlike the 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 early days where there'd be three or four channels and you you'd talk to friends and family colleagues about something that you've watched together and and have something in common. Whereas now it's like I've no idea what you've just watched and I don't know what channel that is or I don't have Netflix and it's just a lack of togetherness in that regard. But fair enough. But the password thing, yeah, definitely I, that does my absolute Sweden, especially when you you're made to put into characters and. Because you're going to forget them. If it was just lowercase, I think we'd, I guess there'd be more, more hackers, more successful hackers. But nevertheless, yeah. it's just, oh. oh. Anyway, well, 
Um, that brings an end to a great episode. I'm glad to finally had you on because um, you've been very loyal from the start. You followed uh, me on Twitter and um, you always send some lovely feedback. So thank you, Glenn. Um, I, always, I always put in um, one foot in the grave, nothing there. One foot in the grave, nothing there. One foot in yes, episode, I think it was about episode five and I had to start behind, so I had to play them back to back to back. Oh, but you've done really well. Thank and you. And as I said, with 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 the guests and everyone has been brilliant and and every every well perhaps not with me here but no, all the other episodes no, have you, been better and better i love it and the longer modest. and the more in depth uh it's just that's been absolutely fabulous i can't wait to listen you're to the last very series. modest chap glenn because you've been absolutely brilliant to have you on and, and some insight you've found little moments in this episode that i didn't really think about before so it's been great to have you on and um yeah and with regards to i mean again by the time this episode out will be early 2020 2021 because i'm just i'm already at series five and you know there's only one more series and i'll probably do a couple of one-off specials but i don't want to rinse the podcast too much it only started in february so i guess i've had in recently i've had um the comet relief episode out and I'll do one for the Algarve is ready to go in two parts. Then Christmas will be the start of series five. So that's why I've had a little break, only a short break, just so it's not all done too soon. And just to give people the, 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 the listens I have got a little, um, not so they get too much in one go, I suppose. And so, so I can sort of milk the podcast a little bit longer i don't know <laughs> but doesn't um, it creep up, doesn't it creep up on you how quickly it all goes yeah and there's so, so much less it's crazy <laughs> so much so less left <laughs> i know this is yeah there's a couple of episodes of this as i record this with you i've only got a couple of episodes of series five left to record then a couple of two or three specials and series eight so it's probably i'll probably do some standalone episodes with people who want to come on the show that because like people kindly have um book their slot if you like to come on an episode so I've, I've got a full house but there's others um, i'm really grateful to, to hear from who want to come on the show so i'll probably do separate standalone episodes and talk about characters or something nerdy like that but um next week i'll have matt who's been on previous a previous episode from south africa matt so you and matt are my sort of two listeners that i'm aware of that are furthest away from me geographically who are very loyal listeners he'll be on to review the affair of the hollow lady with Barbara Windsor starring in that one. And if you'd like to get in touch, uh, please do. As ever, one foot in the podcast at gmail.com and Twitter, one foot in the pod. Um, I, I do grace Facebook and Instagram, so you'll find me on there. Please send some feedback on whichever platform you use, iTunes, Spotify, because it just helps the show become more searchable and unsuspecting listeners will be able to find it and listen in. And hopefully enjoy it. Glenn, thank you so much for your time. And Gordon, what's the time now in Tasmania? Uh, quarter to midnight. Oh, great. I'm going to let you get to sleep. Have you got work tomorrow? No, you're on holiday tomorrow. No, no, holiday. 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 Have a, have so a great... I can get up. I can... Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And as I said, I love it. The more it, can, more it goes on, the more I've enjoyed it. Thank you so Pleasure. much. Well, I hope to have you back on it again in 2021, Glenn. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Oh, I'm one foot in the grave